Thank you till then to try to include all the people, but thank you so much for your kindness to Matthew's family, and uh, we certainly appreciate and honored to serve this church in the capacity in which we do, and it is an honor for us to uh, have such gifted people that God has surrounded us with to be able to accomplish the task. Amen. And it's good to have uh, Rich and Ellie with us, and, and Richard is, um, Ellie are very qualified and and gifted to be able to pastor. Um, they could do that just anywhere they wanted to. Uh, but they've come and they've joined with this vision of this house for this season. Amen. And I am grateful for that. And uh, it's an honor uh, to have them with us. And uh, I, you're going to be, uh, through the summer, going to be hearing for some of uh, our elders and those uh, throughout the this summertime and season. And I'm going to take a break on Wednesday night. Because we got qualified people to share the word of the Lord. And uh, if this house ever comes becomes relied upon my personality, I'll walk out that door and never come back. Because it ain't about me. If we don't build something that's bigger than me, if this thing is only on my talent or gifting, then we're here for the wrong reasons and we'll never build anything that will bring glory and honor to God. Amen? Praise God, but I don't believe that's happening. I believe that we're building something that God is receiving honor and glory, and it's bigger than personalities, but it is for his glory and his honor. Amen? Praise God. And so uh, Elder Rich is going to come tonight. Let's welcome him tonight as he comes to share the word. Come on, go ahead and bless his name tonight. Amen? Amen. Can somebody say, he's a wonder to my soul. He's a wonder to my soul. Amen. How many you know God's been good to us? Amen. Amen. I need Wednesday nights. I don't know about you. I need the refilling, the encounter service. Uh, because how many you know, when you have a great calling in your life, you need the presence of God. Amen. And how many know the Bible says, greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. And that means that there is greatness locked up down inside of each one of us. And God has such great calling down inside of us. And how many know, because of the greatness, the enemy's after you. Have you know, because of the greatness inside of you, the enemy's after you. Amen. Amen. And this has been in my spirit all day long, especially as I got closer to church before we get into the word that, you know, so many times we, we, especially in the Pentecostal churches, we always, we have services that, that God moves greatly and, and, and all these different things. And we always walk out of service and we say, man, God moved tonight. God really moved tonight. And, and have you know, the, we understand that within our own thinking and with our own traditions, but how do you know theologically that's impossible? Theologically, scripturally, that's impossible because the Bible says that he is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere at all times. That means when I'm standing here, God is right here. When I'm standing over here, that means God is here also. And some would say, well, that means that God goes with you, but that's not true either because he's just as much standing right here with me as he is sitting in the pulpit with you. 
that he's on my job with me as he is on your job with you. And so what would begin to happen is if God moves, if God moves, that means the whole universe would shake and move. And it would destroy us when God begins to move. And we have to begin to understand that God is not waiting for himself to move, but he is waiting for us to move. What happens is we raise our expectation in faith and we begin to move in toward him. We begin to move into his praise. We begin to move in to his worship. We begin to move in to his word. We begin to move in to his presence. And all of a sudden, what happens is God begins to bring us into revelation, showing us his glorious light. That what was dark over here, all of a sudden we moved and we shifted. And what we had no understanding back here, all of a sudden he shines a light on revelation because we moved in to him. Mm. So I don't know about you tonight. I'm ready to move into him tonight. Mm. Is anybody ready to move into him tonight? Amen. Can somebody shout amen tonight? Amen. I know it's Wednesday night, but every time I come into the house of the Lord, I expect God to do great and powerful things. I come in here with expectation of saying, God, I got a list of things I need you to do. And tonight just might be my night. Amen. 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 How are you thankful for the house tonight, for for Bishop and, and First Lady and the leadership of this house? And the vision that God is doing, I don't know about you, we don't just appreciate him one time a year, but we appreciate him and the staff and the leadership every single day of the year. Because have you know, if you sit in the, in the presence of God long enough, it'll change you. And have you know, we're in a house where the presence dwells. Amen. Amen. So if you would, I want you to stand back on your feet with me one more time, just one quick time. We're going to read tonight Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, we've been in the last few weeks and Pastor Jamie and Bishop have been so eloquently speaking about worship and we're going to continue on with that tonight because how many know we are not only just shifting in culture, we're changing a culture, we're becoming a culture of praise and worship. Amen? Amen. Chapter Luke, it's Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Luke chapter 13, 13 verse 10. And it says, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She had been bent over and could not straighten herself up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward. How many know you're thankful that when people push you back, Jesus will call you forward? (laughs) And he said to her, woman, you are loose. I like what the King James says. He says, you are loosed. You are loosed or set free from your infirmity. And then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. (laughs) My goodness, there's so much in that right there. He said, indignant became Jesus uh, had healed on the Sabbath. The synagogue leaders said to the people, there are six days for work. And so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Don't be upset when people that invite you reject you. They pull you to the dinner table, but they don't like the gift that's inside you. The Lord answered him. He said, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? And he said, then should this woman, a daughter of Abraham, a daughter 
of Abraham. Somebody say a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has kept bound for 18 years be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her. I want to preach a little bit tonight called Deposits of Worship. Deposits of Worship. Look at somebody beside you and say, just say it's time for a withdrawal. It's time for a withdrawal. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, tonight. Father, we worship you, God. God, we know that, God, you're standing still, God, and you're ready for us to move into your presence, God. God, we thank you for the anointing, God, during worship. God, we thank you, God, that, God, you broke up the fallow ground, but, God, let the rocks be pushed out the way, God, and let us come forth like Lazarus, God, and just everything that's had us bound, everything that's tied us up, everything that's killed us, God, let us come forth, God, as you're calling our name tonight, Father God. Father, we worship you tonight, God. Let us make deposits of worship in your name. God, let us make deposits, God, of praise, God, in your name. God, we know, God, that you are in the house, God, the same way you were back then, God, teaching in the synagogue. So shall you teach, God, in the house of the Lord tonight. Father, we worship you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Just look up somebody beside you and say, get your withdrawal. Get, 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 get your withdrawal. Get your withdrawal. We've went through, you may be seated, we've went through many, many changes, especially over the last year since God has brought forth Pentecost over a hundred years ago, that God uh, restored Pentecost within the church, that God began to do a lot of movements, and we've known a lot about those. We've known about the healing movements. We've known about the faith movements. We've known about the word movements, and we've known about the prosperity movements. But there for a time in the 80s and 90s, all of a sudden there began to be a praise and worship movement. There began to be a shift and a change because how many know God is always creating a new song? Amen. In the same way that the hymnals at one time began to be a new shift and a new change from what uh, was being sung, all of a sudden God began to bring in worship. He began to bring the heart of David like in Psalms. He began to bring that same heart, that same connection because how many know David is described as having a, what? a heart after God. A heart after God because he, and you can begin to see that, that when he is singing, he is singing in Psalms, he has a heart for the Lord. And so God began to bring the movement and and not just the movement, but really the understanding and the wisdom of praise and worship back into the house. And all of a sudden we begin to hear the words in Hebrew and in Greek, we begin to hear the words back into the church again. And there were banners on the wall that had these Hebrew words of praise. And there were, there were conferences praise conferences and worship conferences, and they would teach on words like Zamar and Barak and Halal and Tehillah and Yadal and Shabak. And we begin to hear all of these Hebrew terms because God was wanting to draw us closer unto him. He was trying to shine a light of revelation and of understanding because the Bible says it is worship that breaks up the fallow ground. It is worship. It is praise. That, that How many know that if you wait till the preaching to all of a sudden start to get engaged, uh, you had the whole time during worship. You may have came in with a hard week. You may have came in from that morning with a heavy heart. And you had your chance for the, for the, for the rocks all of a sudden to become dissolved in your life uh, so that you may be a receiver of the Word of God in your life. And so God was doing a new thing. He was doing an incredible thing. And these 
His words mean things like to revere or to worship with an extended hands. It means to sing. It means to play on, on harps. It means to play on string instruments. It means, and my favorite is to shabak. It means to command with a shout. It means to command with a loud voice. And, and you're saying, well, what does that do? The Bible says there is power in life of death and the power of the tongue. And I, I don't know about you, sometimes we need to shout at our situations and begin to put the word of God on top of it. And if maybe you don't know anything else, all you have to have is a yes, just a yes, just a yes in your spirit. Because Paul said, a yea and a man is just the same. Come on now. What you're doing is you're agreeing and saying, God, I don't know what's going on, but God, I have a yes spirit inside of me. God, I, I'm going to proclaim it because the devil has screamed over top of my life all week long. He screamed over top of my life all year long. He screamed over top of my life since I was born. And now it's time for the devil to hear my voice. It's time for me to lift up my voice. And instead of speaking in a negative way, I begin to agree with the word of God. Even when it don't line up with my situation, even when it doesn't even make any sense, I'm just agreeing with it because where the Bible says we're two or three agree upon one thing. So if you can just get yourself and the preacher in agreement with that word, it says there he is. There. Who is that he? Jesus is in the middle of your situation. And so when I begin to have a yes inside my spirit, a shabak inside my spirit, a shabak, a command of a loud praise that God begins to have a movement. And we begin to see that David understood these things because in Psalm chapter 47, verse 1, he said, Clap you hands, all you people, and shout to the voice of the Lord with a voice of triumph. With a voice of triumph. And you're saying, you know what? I don't feel very victorious. I don't feel very triumphant. But I want to let you know in Revelation, he says you have become victorious through the cross. My good God. You don't even got to do anything else. But through the blood of the Lamb and the cross, you have been made victorious. Yeah, every failure you have, everything that sets you back, uh, you are now victorious. My, come on now, uh, I like a song by Ty Trivet. He says, my name is victory. Mm. He says, my name is victory. My name is not failure. My name is not defeat. My name is not rejection. My name is not nothing bad, but my name is victory. Why? Because God named me at the cross and said, my life is victorious uh, because of what he done for me. Come on and give him praise right there. Also in Psalms, David began to say Psalms chapter 144 verse 1. He says, teaching my hands to war, teaching my hands to war. Have you noticed that when you get, when you feel defeated and you feel like the way of the world is on you, have you know sometimes the heaviest thing about you is your hands. Come on now. You can't pick them up. You can't. It seems like when you go to lift your hands, it seems like the weight of the world is on your hands. But having a, we need to get in a spirit of teaching our hands to war. 
And you're saying, I don't get that, but can I tell you something? Moses, when they were in the, in the valley and they were fighting and, and things were going, when the hands begin to be lowered, it says they begin to lose the war. But as long as I kept my hands up, my good God, as long as I kept my hands up, it, victory was on my side. Mm. Victory was on my side. I don't care what sport you're playing. If the referee's hands go, go up, that means somebody is scoring in in the game. Come on now. We're in the, I'm not even a soccer fan, but I love it when they score because all of a sudden you see the, the referee's hands go straight up and they say, score! Because somebody is scoring in that situation. If we can just keep our hands up, just keep our hands up. If you know anything about boxing, if you know anything about boxing, uh, anytime that a boxer's hands begin to go down and they, it's like they're in a sign of defeat. Even if I can't be on the offensive, if I can keep my hands up in a defensive mode, protecting myself, the enemy can't touch me. So the next time you feel heavy and burdened down, just keep your hands lifted high because it's a sign of victory to the enemy that you've already won. Come on now. Um, Praise and worship. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of our people. He inhabits the praises of of his people. He inhabits. He inhabits. That means he comes down and lives. He comes down and sits down. One thing I like about it in Acts chapter 2, when you begin to understand about Pentecost, it says that the Holy Spirit began to come down and he did what? He sat on them. <laughs> I don't know about you. I need God to come down and just sit in the middle of my situation. Yeah, I need him just to come down and sit in the middle of my situation so that God will begin to live right where I'm at. It breaks down walls. It breaks down barriers. We've seen it all throughout the scriptures of Paul and Silas. They begin to worship in the midnight hour, and all of a sudden, everything that was holding them down and had locked them up because of their praise, it unlocked them. Uh, we begin to see whenever in, in Isaiah says he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and the angels, it was two angels that were just kept saying back and forth one to another, holy, 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 holy is the Lamb of God. And all of a sudden it says the pillar doors begin to shake because when we begin to get a praise and a worship down inside of our bellies, down inside of our spirits, uh, it will shake every door that's been locked up inside of you. Yeah. You want some doors to open. You want some promotions to begin to happen. You need to get a worship down inside of you. You need to get a praise down inside of you. And it will shake every door that's been shut down on you. Mm. We begin to understand that whenever we begin to praise, what's in, this, what's in the natural begins to be shaken by the supernatural. When we begin to praise, it shifts the supernatural. And I want to stop here for a minute because one of the problems that we begin to happen is that we were taught that the moment we praise, our situation changes. Can I just stop for a second? What happens is when we begin to praise that in the natural, everything changes and shifts. And I want to make this really clear because when we do begin to praise and when we do begin to worship, God begins to move. But sometimes we don't see what God is doing in the supernatural. 
And we begin to go to the extreme of the imbalance and we, we, we spun around seven times and we danced and we shouted and we, we sweated up a rug and we threw salt over our shoulder and we did flip-flops down the aisle. And yes, God began to move, but what happened is because we didn't see it in the natural, we thought it didn't work. So what happened is, so because it didn't work, I'm not going to do it again. Can I stop here? If I tithe once and God doesn't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, next week I'm not going to tithe. <laughs> and we don't see behind the scenes in what God is doing in the heavens. And yes, there are those times where God moves suddenly. We're in a bad situation, and we're like Paul and Silas, and we begin to praise, and the doors begin to fling wide open. But sometimes God will allow you to be in a situation, and it's still not changed. You ever been there? You're believing, you're speaking the word, you're having faith, you're doing everything you know to do, you're coming to church, you're being responsive to the word, you're praising, you're worshiping, and nothing seems to happen. Mm. What we have to begin to understand is that there are times in our life that we are just making deposits of worship. Deposits of worship. A lot of times because of the culture we live in, most people in America just own a a, a checking account. When we go to the bank, we just open up a checking account. They say, do you want to open a sevens account? And we say, oh, no, we'll do that one later. Well, no, we'll do that when we get a little older. I'll do that when I get a little bit more money. But I I, I just need a checking account because I got to pay my bills and I got to pay for my car and I got to pay for my house and I can't do that with just cash anymore. I need a check. I need a check card. I I need just something to get me by. And there's some people uh, that a lot of people in America are living just week to week. I just got to get my check cash. And as soon as I get my check cash, it all disappears. It all just fades away. Some people live so much by the day-to-day, by the week-to-week, that they don't even have checking accounts. They just go to the Walmart, to the Kroger's, to the check-cashing places, and they just get a cash. And we begin to not realize that, well, the only reason we're making a deposit is for a quick withdrawal. We're making just a quick withdrawal. I need something because I'm going on vacation next week, and I need some cash in the bank. So let me work harder so I have a little bit more so that I might spend more. Come on. And so what happens is savings is not in the ideal. But what happens is when we begin to save and when we begin to uh, take a portion of our money and begin to store it up, and, 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 and because how many know that we are not just saving for now, but we are saving for the future? We are saving sometimes not just for a retirement, but we are saving for a rainy day. How many know your air conditioner can go out at any time? How many know that ain't cheap? You can't go to Walmart and buy that. 
You can't go to Kmart and put that on layaway. God bless, we hope we could. But you cannot put a 5,000 cheap hair conditioner. Maybe you can work something out with Nathaniel in the church. I don't know, but that's not how we should work things. Come on now. But those things go out. So we save for a rainy day. We save for times when there is hardships. We save And then what happens is when you really begin to understand the point of saving, the Bible says you are not a blessing until you are a blessing to not just your generation, but your next generation and the generation after that. So when we begin to live by the word of God, we are not just for ourselves, but we begin to save not just for myself, but I begin to save for the generation that's ahead of me. And I begin to save for the generation that's after that. And so because so there is inheritance passed down into the life. And so when we begin to go from savings, we begin to talk about a trust fund. We begin to talk about bonds and savings. Somebody feels like I'm in a financial class tonight, ain't you? Uh, but we're getting somewhere. Just, just give me a little bit. You feel like you go from a savings account to all of a sudden you begin to go to a bonds and a savings. And you begin to go to a place to where things called trust funds. And the problem with with the savings and the trust fund is you are making deposits that you don't get the choice of when it comes out. You don't get the choice of when the money is going to be withdrawn. But there is a contract sign that someone that you have the contract, the covenant with, tells you when the withdrawal can begin to happen. And typically, when you begin to understand the contract terms, there is a thing called maturity date. God will take you to a place there is a majority date. Banks and all these different have things called a maturity date. That when the trust fund gets to a certain place, there is a maturity date that says now it has accrued into a place to where now you can withdraw what you have placed into it. Mm. You can put into you can take out of it and the thing i like about it it's not just what you put into it but there's a little something extra on the end of it yeah the longer you allow it to uh, 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 go and begin to uh, grow there is a higher interest rate as time begins to happen mm. and there's typically a penalty whenever you want to withdraw it too quickly so they do that so that you keep it for an appointed time The Bible begins to talk about there is an appointed time for the vision. And so many times, especially in nowadays in church, we praise on momentary feelings. And we don't realize that worship and praise is something that is building in my life. It is something that every time I worship when I do not feel like it, Worship begins to go into the heaven as a sweet-smelling Savior into the heavens. And it begins to build, like the Bible says, a weight of glory. There is a weight of glory. And what happens is because we praise and because we worship, we don't see the thing quick enough happen and so we become disappointed in the word that's been spoken over your life 
But the Bible says he will be faithful to perform the word that he has set out over your life. It says he will be careful to watch over the word that he has placed over your life. But because we get wrapped up in feelings, because we get wrapped up in emotions, we are just making quick deposits for a quick return. But God said, if you will just look at it as a deposit of worship and not become disappointed, the word disappointed, the word disappointed means there is an appointment or an appointed time. The word dis, when you begin to hook to it, it says there is a a forcible removement of the appointment. God said, it's not up to you when your word will come to pass. It's just up to you to be faithful to the vision until it comes to pass. It's not up to you to understand when the promise will happen. It's just up to you to trust uh, when the promise will begin to happen. I like that word that banks use because they call it a trust fund. And how do you know we need to get to the place where we say, God, I trust you with my worship, uh, even if I don't see anything happening. Mm. The biggest thing the enemy can do to is make you unstable. Yeah, he, he's getting to the place he understands, he, he, he accepts the fact you're saved, he don't like it, he knows you ain't going anywhere, but what he wants to do is make you unstable with your worship. He wants to make you inconsistent with your worship, because he knows that you're worse, that you were created to worship. And if I can make you inconsistent with your worship, nothing will begin to happen in your life. And so what happens is there are many people that are setting that, that they know better. They know better than leave the house of God. They know better. They know what they came from. And so they won't leave the house of God, but they won't be faithful to worship the one that's the creator of the house of God. You understand what I'm saying? They're sitting in churches disappointed, and you can't tell me it don't happen because I've been the one sitting in the middle of a church serve, just sitting there disappointed in the situations, disappointed in the circumstances, disappointed that God's not moving fast enough for me. God, you promised me a house. God, why don't I have a house? God, you promised me a car. Why don't I have a car? God, you promised me a child. Why don't I have the child? God, you promised me the promotion. And isn't it funny? When God begins to give you the word, it seems like everybody else gets the very thing that you're waiting for. Your credit's good, but the bank's still telling you no. People with bad credits all of a sudden get in the houses and you're waiting for yours. Come on now. People having babies that don't even love their wife, don't even love their spouse, and here you love your spouse with everything in you, and you can't even have the promise that God has placed over your top of your life. And so you begin to move into a place of disappointment. To where, yeah, God, I'm in the house, but God, I'm not worshiping you in the house. Come on now. I look... Like I'm close to you, but my heart is far away. All I can think about doing worship is what's wrong. (laughs) All I can think about in the middle of the night is what's wrong. 
But can I encourage you just a little bit tonight? Oh my goodness. That if God is blessing everybody around you in your neighborhood, oh my goodness. You best believe that if he's blessing your neighbor with everything that you're waiting for, and you're sitting on the pew, and you're waiting you're waiting for yours, and God's blessing every neighbor around you, that means he's in the neighborhood. My good God. <laughs> 